0: Oh, mm-hmm. we
1: heart as you are there standing by our side defending our cause holding us keeping us guiding us we thank you jesus you never leave us and you never forsake us but you stand by our side and you give us strength and you give us peace and you surround us like a mighty shield of grace lord we love you when we praise you and we thank you for your divine presence that never leaves nor forsakes your people. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. God bless you. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Now, if you happen to think that God was really speaking to you personally through that, now respond to it. Say, I believe that, Lord. I mean, it might not be for, you know, 200 people, but there might be a handful here that he just rang your bell. The, the, the Spirit of the Lord just spoke. You were just praying about that last night. You've just been struggling with that, and God answered you so that you You see, your faith has a participation with the fulfillment of the prophetic word. It's not just going to take place because she spoke and the Spirit prompted her. It'll have, part of us has to have a response of faith to work with the word. Jesus spoke the word and how they responded to that word determined the ultimate effect of that word. You can hear the gospel and not respond to the gospel. You can hear the promise and not believe the promise. So if God was speaking to you, and then we're going to get to that later in this message as we finish up this book. But if God is speaking to you in the prophetic, you've got to claim it. Don't just, well, if it comes to pass, you lost it. You just despised it. It says, don't surprise, despise prophecy, it's in the book. But if it's yours, receive it. Say, thank you, Lord. I believe that. That's for me, that's my answer. And with expectation, Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. Children, you are dismissed to children's church. Isn't God good to us? Amen. Praise the Lord. You know, there's one one good thing about teaching through books, preaching through books, is that we get to touch on things that a lot of times we just would override or go on to something different. And so we're going to talk about the prophetic just as we walk through our, our message. So, if you have your Bibles, so if you would go to 1 Thessalonians 5, we want to finish up this series that we started some months ago in the book of 1 Thessalonians. And this, this last message is part of last week's message, also. And, and Paul wants this young group of believers to finish strong, just like God wants each one of us to finish strong in our walk of faith. Amen? Some have fallen along the wayside. Some have gone back to Egypt. But we make up our mind. We're going strong. Amen? We're going to finish our race. We're going to fight that good fight. And so here we have some advice. Paul is giving closing statements for a strong finish. Hallelujah. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We'll start with verse 16. And this is what we covered last week. 16 through 18. Be joyful always. Pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Wow. We preached that last week. If you weren't here, get get the tape. It'll all work together. Now, verse 19, do not put out the Spirit's fire. Don't quench the Spirit. King James people, don't quench the Spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Don't despise the prophetic words that goes forth in the meeting. Test everything. Don't be gullible, but test everything. Hold on to the good. Avoid every kind of evil. Avoid it. Don't flirt with it. Don't tease it. Renounce it. Reject it. Get rid of it. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus. He wants you to finish strong, every part of you. Body, soul, and spirit. And verse 24, what a precious verse. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Can you say amen to that? Oh, God, I like that. Amen? Amen. At the end of all those commands, the Lord don't throw all the weight on us. He says, guess what? The one that called you, the one that began this work, he's going to finish it. What a praise the Lord for that. Here we go. Closing statements for a strong finish. Closing statements for a strong finish. The heart of God is that you and I, that everyone that loves the Lord will finish strong in this race of faith. Life will have its challenges. Life does have its challenges. There are heartbreaks. There's battles. There's setbacks. But oh, that precious promise from Philippians, he that began a good work in you, he shall complete that work. Amen? I'm glad that God has made up his mind, that he's committed to us, and he will continue his work in us. Now, we have our part to do. That's why we're here. We must do our work and work with God. We have to respond to the grace of God, of course. And in our text, we have Paul the pastor, Pastor Paul, giving this young church... Some keys, some secrets, some some insights into how to finish strong. Only weeds grow by accident. If you want to produce anything that matters, it takes some intelligence and takes some effort. Amen? It takes some intentional trying and working. Now last week we covered the first three, verses 16 through 18. Paul says, if you want to finish strong, be joyful always. Rejoice in the Lord. Pray continually. Be a man or woman of prayer. And give thanks in all circumstances. In all cir- He gave important attitudes and actions for the overcoming Christian. Regardless of what life throws at you, don't get bitter, don't get ugly. You might not be able to give thanks for what's around you, but you can give thanks for what's in you and what Christ has done and will do. Can you say amen? And now we begin the second part, verse 19, number four. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Don't quench the Spirit. Don't smother the Spirit's work. Don't put out the Holy Spirit's fire in your life. Quench means to extinguish or stifle the power or the energy of something. Thus, the apostle warns this young church, don't put out or hinder the Holy Spirit's work in your life or in the life of your congregation. Again, he's comparing quenching to extinguishing of a fire or putting out of a fire. Sometimes you want to look at someone and say, what happened to your fire? What happened to your zeal and your passion and your life you once had in God? This is of utmost importance because it's only... By the power of the Holy Spirit that we can really live this Christian life. It's only by the power of the Holy Spirit that you and I can grow in our Christian experience. That we can carry out the individual tasks and the will and the assignments that God has given us. It's like the old prophet of old said to the minister in the Old Testament. He said, it won't be by might. And it won't be by power, but by my Spirit, saith the Lord. You can overcome every challenge. You can accomplish every task. You can fulfill the will that God has for your life. It won't be by human might. It won't be by the resources of men. But it will be by the Spirit of the living God working in you and working through you that that mountain shall be removed, that opposition will be defeated, and you will finish the race that God has called you to run. We think how Paul, the great apostle, how he said in Galatians, he said, it's no longer I that liveth, but it's Christ that liveth in me and through me. It's the spirit of Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit. I don't live this life by my own will and grinding it out and gutting it out. But the spirit of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit of God lives in me and gives me the strength to live it and the grace to live it and the power to live this life. The Holy Spirit described as our comforter, our guide, our helper, our teacher, our advocate. He is the one that transforms us. Sanctification takes place as you do your part, but it's the Holy Spirit that transforms us more and more into the image of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit, He enables us. He gives us gifts and equippings that we can fight the fight and carry out our ministry. The Holy Spirit, He enlightens us. He's our teacher. He reveals the things of the gospel. He helps us understand the Bible. He helps us understand how to live this life, how to walk in wisdom. It's the Holy Spirit who empowers us us, you shall, Jesus said, you shall. If you have received the baptism, you can say, I have received power since the Holy Spirit has come upon me. If you're a child of God and you've received that mighty baptism in the Holy Ghost, you have received power. You, put, you possess the power of Christ in your life to live it out and to fight the good fight and defeat every fall. When a person gets saved, it's the Holy Spirit that comes within you and makes you brand new. This is not a mental thing. This is not just an emotional thing. We're not just changing philosophies or religions. It's a new birth. We get a new nature. There's a new life that is deposited as God's own life. The Holy Spirit comes within us. One preacher used this illustration. Maybe you remember that old commercial. Plop, plop, fizz, fizz, oh, what a relief it is. You saw that commercial too, huh? (laughs) That was was Alka-Seltzer, remember that? Some of y'all had some last night. No, Um, Alka-Seltzer. It was a medicine designed to aid an upset stomach. alka seltzer would be activated. You drop those two tablets in water, and they'd be like that volcanic reaction, and then you drink it down, and, and it settles the stomach. It brings relief to your insides. Well, when someone accepts Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, God drops the Holy Spirit within them, it produces a new nature. And it's the Spirit's presence is designed to bring about a change for upset lives and upset hearts and upset minds and upset circumstances. God does this so his people can say as they discover this great salvation, oh, what a relief it is. My sins are gone. My burdens are lifted. My life is brand new. I'm clean. I'm loved. I'm part of the family of God. I'm accepted by Jesus Christ. I have a secure hope. I have a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Oh, chaste and see the Lord is good. When you get saved, you're not, this is not a mental thing. I think that's why we we have a lot of false positives in the church after a few generations. The kids that grow up in it, some of them never really get born again. They learn enough up here. But it's more than just knowing doctrine up here. There's a new creature that has to take place in here. And that only comes when we surrender our lives and put our faith in Christ and are born from above. But when we're born again, that's the spirit of God that takes up residence within us. They give us the grace and the strength we need to grow, to advance, to fight the good fight of faith, to understand this great salvation, understand the word. He's our teacher to guide us, to keep us pure, to keep us holy. The Holy Spirit. Now, it can be difficult to wrap our minds around the concept of the Holy Spirit You know, you grew up in the church, King James, right? Holy Ghost, ghost, what in the world's a ghost? I mean, it's something to wrap your mind around this thing, isn't that right? Some people say, what are you talking about? So to help you and I understand the function and the purpose and the desire and the reason for giving us the Holy Spirit, God illustrates and communicates to us the functions and the purpose by giving us pictures giving us examples in the scripture so we can understand the desire of the spirit and the role of the spirit the personality of the spirit the operation of the spirit for, for example jesus um used the illustration of the holy spirit's like wind like wind just like wind you can't see wind but man you can see the results of wind can you say amen you can't see when, but you can see when it's been somewhere. Isn't that right? You, you couldn't see it, but you look outside and the chairs are thrown here and this is gone there. You couldn't see anything happening, but that person's not the same anymore. You didn't see anything physical, but something. The spirit of the living God, invisible. But oh, you can see the results when he moves and when he touches lives. Another one was water. Like water status. Jesus said, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. You've been drinking the wrong thing for too long. You've been indulging in the wrong things for too long. They haven't satisfied. They haven't met the need. But Jesus said, The Spirit of the living God, He will quench that thirst in your soul. He will refresh you and He will revive you. And the Holy Spirit acts like water. He washes us and He refreshes us. Amen? You get weary, you get weary, you get weary. And then you come in, you draw near to God, and you get in that prayer meeting and you get filled afresh. Oh, man, you're ready to go out there and run again. You're getting dehydrated. The world's draining you. The fight of five is beating up on you. the neglect of your altar of your heart is starting to pay a cost on you. But then you finally say, I've got to get back to the altar. And you get back and you close the door and you wait on God and the heavens breathe and the waters fall. There's a picture of the dove and the gentleness of the dove. There's a symbol of the oil and how the oil heals and how the oil soothes and how the Holy Spirit takes us, areas that we've been bruised and we've been scarred and we've been beat up on, and the Holy Spirit, like that healing oil, just kind of makes things softer, makes things, oh, glory be to God. Pictures of the Holy Spirit. He's a seal, a seal, a mark. When God sees His Spirit on a person, God says, that's one of mine. That's one of mine. I see the seal. I see the seal. Now, fire is another picture symbol that the Bible gives us of the Holy Spirit and how He chooses to operate in our lives. What fire does in the natural, the Holy Spirit desires to do in the spiritual, in your personal life, and in the life of the congregation. Fire speaks, of course, of purity. You want to get something pure, they burn it. Consume that thing. I mean, cauterize that thing. That thing all purifies, purifies. The Holy Spirit gives power. Remember the old, those steam locomotives? Amen? And you'd have to keep putting that fire in there to keep that thing going. Oh, yeah, it gives us power. Holy Spirit is our source of power. Gives light. Turn on the light. The Holy Spirit helps us to understand the Bible, helps us to walk not in darkness but walk as followers of Christ. Holy Spirit gives us wisdom for our decisions. Discernment as we walk through this crazy world. Fire brings warmth. When it's cold, you light a fire. Oh, and used to be stiff and dead and dry. But then you met Jesus and the Spirit of God filled you. And there was life and there was joy and there was excitement. Oh yeah, when the Holy Spirit is at work in our lives and in the lives of the church, we have the warmth of His love in our hearts, the warmth of love for Him, for one another, and for the lost world. There's a warmth that comes to our hearts. By the Spirit, there's an illumination understanding that comes to our minds. As we get wisdom and understanding, we understand what Calvary meant. We understand what a great salvation we have. We understand what God expects out of us that call on His name. We get energy and power for our living. We receive that power. He purifies us. The Holy Spirit consumes like a fire would consume. He consumes what's not of God. The Old Testament writers said it like this. The refiner's fire. He keeps us pure. In the blaze of the Spirit, He keeps us strong. Friends, we need the Holy Spirit. We need to stay filled. With the holy, it's not one-time thing. That's the problem. Some think, I got it in 1950. You're dead. If that's the last drink you got. You died long ago, brother. And we fool ourselves because we think, because we understand it here. We still got it here. Ephesians 5 and 18. Ephesians 5 and 18. Don't be drunk with wine where there's excess and you play the fool. But instead, be filled with the Spirit. That word, be filled, it's a present word. It means continually be filled. It's not a one-time thing. Here, Paul is writing to Christians. Men and women that have been saved, they have the Spirit through salvation. Men and women that spoke in tongues, they have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But he said, listen, no matter who you are, you always need a fresh filling. we got to get a fresh filling. we got to perpetually come back and drink from that river that never runs dry. He said, don't be trunk with wine don't be under the influence of things that make you play the fool instead get failed again and again I got failed that's good but guess what we leak we need more can you say amen we, we exhaust the spirit you exhausted just by living in this crazy world we exhausted just by being who we are and some of us got a crack here and there and we leak and others we just got to fight and we exhaust it as we fight the good fight of faith so it is demanded of any anyone that wants to finish strong. It's not just a little devil to you. It's not just a one-time thing that you mark off your spiritual checklist, but we need to continually be filled afresh again, again, and again with the Holy Ghost. Can you say amen? To be filled. Paul said that. Instead, be filled. Be continuously filled with the Spirit. Stay under the influence of the Spirit. Be filled with that Spirit. We need to stay filled with the Holy Spirit. We need to stay sensitive to the Holy Spirit as He guides us and He leads us and He speaks to us. We need to be faithful to respond to His voice and to His proddings and to His leadings. We need the Holy Spirit. Note takers, John 16 and 14, Jesus said, when He comes, He glorifies me. If you want to glorify Jesus, you've got to be filled with the Spirit. One of the main jobs of the Holy Spirit is to glorify Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, He glorifies me by taking what is mine and making it known to you. He glorifies me by helping you to enjoy what I purchased on Calvary. He glorifies me by helping you understand the wonderful benefits and blessings you have now that you are a son or a daughter of the living God. It's the Holy Spirit that takes what Christ purchased and makes it something practical and real in our lives. What am I talking about? Jesus purchased our peace on Calvary, but it's the Holy Spirit that makes you a partaker of that peace that passes all understanding. Jesus purchased every victory that we have, but it's the Holy Spirit that puts it in our hearts and puts it in our minds and enables us to enjoy it and and to embrace it and to experience the fullness of it, the Holy Spirit. We need to understand if you're going to finish this race and really walk close with God, there is no other option but then to stay filled with the Spirit of God. It's so important that we do not put out the Spirit's fire, whether it's in our personal lives or in the lives of our congregations. Don't put out or resist. Don't resist or hinder what He, the Holy Spirit, desires to do in your life and desires to do In your congregation, Paul is warning these young believers that, you know, it's possible to start in the spirit, but then drift in the natural. And the more you know about the things of God, the more susceptible you are to this deception. Young believers can get deceived on certain ways. Us older believers, we know enough of this. You can go a week and a half without praying and still know everything you've ever known. Twice as much as half preachers. I mean, you just grow up in this thing and you, you know, you open, you come to church when the doors are open. You've been to Sunday school since mama carried you in her womb. I mean, you're going to know some things. Amen. So it's easy to almost deceive yourself and everyone else because we can keep the knowledge but lose the fire. We can keep the memories but lose the present passion. And sometimes we wake up like Samson. And he didn't know. He didn't know. He could still remember those feats of strength. He could still remember those exploits of faith. But he woke up one day and didn't know the spirit left. Because he had neglected that holiness. He had neglected that personal time with God. When preacher put it, it's like the difference between a rowboat and a powerboat. You know, that rowboat, it's all human effort. You know, you know. Powerboat, you move by the power of something else. And when you don't stay filled with the Spirit, after a while, it just becomes a grind out, a, a frustrating thing. Everything's a burden. Everything's so hard. But when you stay filled with the Spirit, there's a joy and there's a strength and there's a grace, amen? Oh, yeah, yeah. Paul is warning them, Remember, he wants these young believers to finish strong. And he's simply saying, you can't, you will not finish strong if you put out the Spirit's fire. It's possible to start with the fire of God, with the Spirit of God blazing in your life, working powerfully in you and through you, and then then somehow fail to keep it burning. Start with a real passion and joy and excitement a devotion, an enthusiasm for Jesus. And then, out of neglect, there's a decrease, a diminishing, a drying up. And there's fumes instead of fire. It's possible. This is what he's warning. He's saying, listen, you guys have a great experience. You came through these riots. You stood firm. You were taught by the great apostle Paul. Can you imagine that? They'd have him picture out in the foyer. Our pastor was Paul. Two generations later, they'd be half backslid, but they'd be proud backsliders because they say, we went to. You see, it, it, Paul, so Paul's warning them. That's the trick of the devil because we fool ourselves by knowledge is not the same. You can know about something and not possess something. Isn't that right? You, 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 you can starve to death in publics. If you don't eat, if you don't eat, it's possible he's teaching this young church this important principle. You've got to stay filled, you've got to keep the fire burning. Just because you once had it, it's not going to take care of itself. You've got to do your part to keep your walk with God on fire and strong and healthy. It's possible to neglect the altar of our hearts and allow the fire to get smaller and weaker and kind of lose that enthusiasm and lose that sensitivity. You remember when you're so sensitive? All she had to do is hit the note and you're ready to worship God. So sensitive. All the Spirit had to do is speak to you once and you're ready to witness to that person. So sensitive that if you just did one thing, you, oh Lord, please forgive me. And now just, we can lose enthusiasm, sensitivity, power, love. No matter who you are, preachers can do the same thing. 2 Timothy six. 2 Timothy six. Here's Paul writing to a young preacher by the name of Timothy. He's a pastor. He's a man that worked, he was one of Paul's sons in the faith. Yet he has the same vulnerability as the young Christians that Paul's writing to. He says, Timothy, now for this reason, I want to remind you, fan into flame the gift of God. King James, stir up. Stir it up. It's like a fire's going out. Stir it up. This teaches us, and he goes on, but this is where Paul writes, for God has now given us a spirit of in Timothy's life, intimidation and disappointment and frustration from the world was beginning to quench his fire and steal his zeal and wither his faith. But Paul says, listen, God gave you the fire, but it's up to you to keep the fire burning. This teaches us that the initiative of keeping the fire burning is upon the participant, the recipient. It's my responsibility. It's our responsibility to do the things that keep strong and fervent the fire of God and avoid the things that will put out or suffocate that fire. Neglect will suffocate it. Certain relationships will suffocate it. Certain certain habits will suffocate it. Like any fire, you can't take the oxygen out of a fire, it dies. There's certain things you can do to a fire and it stops blazing and burning. So there's two things here. If I want to keep the fire of the Holy Spirit, fire is a picture of the Holy Spirit blazing and burning in our lives giving us a warmth and a zeal and an excitement and a power and a purity and a a revelation, the ability to understand the light that it brings. God says you stay filled with that spirit. You keep that fire burning. You don't quench that fire. So do the things that it takes to keep it burning. What keeps it burning? Throw on a log of that word. That word keeps the fire burning. Can you say amen? Holy Spirit wrote that word. You want to keep the fire burning? Faith cometh by hearing. Hearing by the... Oh, throw that log on. Throw that log on. How about prayer? You got to get in his presence. Can you say amen? You got to draw near to God and let him draw near to you. That keeps like the fire burning. And if you got the baptism, pray in tongues, pray in the spirit, it edifies or builds up that inner man. That's like throwing oh, some fuel on that fire, man. When you pray in the Holy Ghost, praise and worship. He draws near, keeping the fire. That's fanning into flame, amen? Because when heaven comes down, he says, I inhabit the praises of my people. Uh, You praise and he comes down. The wind that blows that fire, right? A good wind lets that fire burst back into flames. Isn't that right? Ask yourself, just ask yourself the practical question. What things need I to do to keep the passion and enthusiasm and love for Jesus burning bright in my heart? Coming to church should do that, amen? You come to church more often, you wouldn't have to go to court nearly as often. Come on, say amen to that. No, no, no. Yeah, I hope you get encouraged when you come. I hope you get a fresh wind on the fire when you come. If not, go somewhere else where you can get it. My Lord, have mercy. Ask, ask, just write these down. What are the things that encourage your walk with God? One of the things that inspire you on with God? One of the things that keep your faith stronger and your love of purity growing? Don't put out the Spirit's fire. Instead, do the things that cause it to blaze and cause it to burn. Throw on that word. Throw on that prayer. Throw on that praise. Serve somewhere. Stir up that gift. Stir up that. Get busy serving. You know that. Some of you start getting half-backed if you're not doing something. But then you start doing something and life comes alive. Amen? That faith comes alive. Isn't that true? Well, you're stirring up that gift. You use that gift. Your excitement comes. That joy comes. You sense that anointing. Oh, there it is. I've been missing that. Well, yeah, I've been doing anything. But you know, once you get back and using your gift, all of a sudden you feel that thing. Isn't that right? Whew. Now I gotta mark down the things that are a danger to that fire. You want fire, Holy Spirit. His first name is What's his first name? What's his first name? A little louder. Holy. Yeah. yeah. Don't need to walk down that street. We fake a lot of things with our enthusiasm and our knowledge. His first name is Holy. So if it's not Holy, you mark that down. It's quenching the spirit. It's diminishing the flame. It's hindering the work of God's spirit in our lives. Mark down the things that might hinder... The fire of God from burning in your life. Influences can do that. Hobbies and habits can do that. And am I making sense to anybody? Amen. I don't want to get too deep. But if we can't take it home and make something practical out of this thing, we miss the whole mark. The Bible says, don't put out the Spirit's fire. Using fire is one picture of the Holy Spirit of God. And we need the Holy Spirit of God, because the Holy Spirit of God is what enables us to live this Christian life. And to live it to the full. And to minister effectively. And to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord. To know Jesus better. To understand the salvation better. Amen? Amen? So if I understand that, then I have to ask myself, what must I do to make it stronger? What must I do to protect it from the things that would hinder? Amen? I've got to stop it there. because We've got other points, and we're getting going here. We're just trying to make it simple here. Paul... And personally, the Holy Spirit wants to work in my life. The Holy Spirit wants to move in my life and help me to grow stronger in my walk and in my grace and in my productivity for Christ so I can't neglect the altar of my heart. I've got to feed my fire and make sure I tend to that fire of the Spirit. Amen? Amen? All right. Now, publicly and corporately, we have to remember that when we gather together, God desires to meet with us. He wants to talk with us. He wants to touch you. Yes, we come and we bring our song, and we bring our offering, and we bring our, our praise. We do. We bring our sacrifice. Yes, yes. But let's, let's mark this down. Paul says, don't put out the Spirit's fire. He's going to go right into the prophetic. So he's talking about individually, but he's also talking about the corporate gathering. And it's so important that we understand the Spirit of the living God. He wants to speak with us every time we walk through those doors. He wants to touch us and minister to us every time we walk through those doors. This is this gathering is more than just a religious ritual. It's much more than just a mechanical ceremony. A, a service of form without force or tradition without a real triumph. No, 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 no. But God wants to, by His Spirit, every time his people gather Jesus said if just two or three will gather there I am in the midst he says as you praise me I'll inhabit and come down and I'll sit in the midst of that praise he says if you'll draw near to me I'll draw near to you understand God wants to meet with us in this place on his day in his house God wants to touch you God wants to talk with you God is a good God and he loves you and he cares about you and if you draw near near to him he'll draw near to you if you'll come out with faith if you'll come out with a sincere heart he says i'll touch you and i'll refresh you and i'll revive you and i'll talk to you through my word and i'll talk to you by my spirit and i'll encourage you with the fellowship of the redeemed oh child of god the spirit of god wants to blaze in our services the spirit of god wants to move powerfully in our midst and through our efforts into our lives He wants to heal broken hearts as well as heal broken physical lives. He wants to refresh us and nourish us. He wants to build you up when you come and encourage you so you can go back out there and keep fighting that good fight of faith every time we gather in his house. He wants to forgive those that will sincerely seek his forgiveness. He wants to fill afresh those that are really thirsty and want more of him and are willing to ask so he can fill them and do something new in them. He wants us to leave here every Sunday knowing Jesus better and loving Jesus more. He wants us to leave here instructed in the things of God, inspired by the spirit of the living God, in and impacted by God that we might go forth and touch this world in his name by his power somebody say amen, amen. Hallelujah. hallelujah oh the spirit of God he wants to meet with us he wants to gather it's a wonderful thing we want from personally now corporately when we God wants to move this is not about going through a ritual. This is not about some mechanical religious thing. God wants to touch you. God wants to meet with you. God wants to show himself to you in ways you've never experienced him before. Oh, he's a good God. Oh, he's a one. He wants to take you from faith to faith to glory to glory. He wants to pull back veils so you can understand this gospel better than you've ever understood it before. He wants to reach into areas of your life but this healing balm and touch you. and men, God loves you. He desires to touch you. His Spirit wants to talk to you. Come on every Sunday. Draw near to God. Make it your appointment. Make it your devotion. Make it your priority. Come out and praise Him. Come out and trust Him. Come out and expect God to work in your life. If you have a special need, that's what the altar is for. If you're carrying a special burden, that's what the altar is for. That that's why we don't just show you out. Oh, it's time to go. But instead we say the altars are open because God's still here and whoever needs God, He's here to meet your need. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He'll touch you. He'll forgive you. He'll embrace you. He'll comfort you. He'll set you on fire. You've been a little dry. He'll light your life on fire. Woo! Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Woo. Hallelujah. I was really going to try to be dignified. I was like, I want to teach this. How can you get with the fire of the spirit and not do a little preaching? Amen. <laughs> I mean, I wanted to teach, you know, I mean, I want to teach this. How can you get with fire? Fire. Woo. I'm telling you, the fire of God. I wasn't even going to tell this story. Ah, I'm not in a rush. You all got a three-day weekend. What are you worried about? You got nowhere to go. <laughs> Holy Ghost like fire. I'll never, I've told this story before. It bears repeating. Someone might not have heard it. I'll never forget back in the mid-90s. I had the privilege of working with that man of God, R.W. Shambock, And we had his big tent up in South Central Los Angeles. You know all the riots were in the 90s? We had a tent up there right before Bishop Blake head of the Church of God in Christ for many years, was going to build a new building. And and Bishop, we had our tent there. And and it was the fire code of that part of L.A. that you couldn't have flaps down on the tent. It had to be open so you could see and all that, whatever. People could run out if something happened. And he was about 70 at that time. And he's preaching. I won't say some nutcase, but someone that wasn't with it um, that wanted to cause some trouble called the fire department. And so in the middle of him preaching, you know, we're right there on Crenshaw Boulevard, main roads. The ambulance starts coming down. Fire truck, ambulance. They got the alarms. The lights are going. And I'm thinking they're going to drive by, but they stop right in front of the tent. And uh, my ministry there was troubleshooter. Amen. <laughs> if it was trouble, you shoot it. Amen. And uh, I troubleshoot so I just stand. I just stand like this, like a normal study. He's preaching. I'm just kind of doing my thing, and and I'm thinking that it's gonna go by us, and it stops right in front of us. I said, "Well, maybe on the other side there's some stores." Maybe. Next thing I know, the, the the gurney's coming out of the ambulance. Next thing I know, they're bringing it down the center aisle of our tent. I said, "Oh Lord, this tent had about three, four thousand chairs out there." I said, "Uh-oh, it's time to start shooting the trouble." Amen. So I start meeting it halfway. I'm just looking at the group like, like, you, like you're all looking at me. And you, they're all looking at Brother Shambach, And then all of a sudden, all I, I could hear him. I could hear him say, folks, someone called the fire department. But what they don't understand. He's 70 years old. He's It's like, you know, that would happen to most preachers. they get all befuddled. they fall apart. You know what I mean? Something goes wrong and they lose their composure. Not that man of God. He was made to preach out in the air. Amen. All of a sudden, he goes, folks like someone hit a switch. Someone just called the fire department. But what they don't understand, this is the kind of fire you can't put out. Amen. And I I mean, I watched 4,000 people just get up like like a commander said, attention. They stood up. They roared. That man of God just about jumped down from the stage. He's 70 years old. He leaps down. He begins to preach like a power. God moved all over. He said, this is the kind of fire that's going to kill that cancer. This is the kind of fire that's going to restore that marriage. This is the kind of fire that's going to bring back that wayward daughter. This is the fire of the living God, the fire of the Holy Ghost. And it cannot be. put up by men or demons. It'll work God's good work in your life. It'll do what no other force can do. It is the spirit of the living God and he's able to heal your brokenness. He's able to break that chain that has you bound. He's able to bring on you into a new day of peace and joy. Your life has just begun. It's time for a fresh fire. Can you say amen? And we had church that night. I get back. I just thought of that one. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh glory, Hallelujah. glory, glory, glory. Hallelujah. We note the apostle's warning to the church is that we can suppress the moving, the grief. We can grieve the hindering the increase in the moving of God's spirit over control or complacency. The church can quench the working of the spirit on one hand by failing to correct excesses. There's not all emotion and noise is of the spirit. Sometimes it's actually just shortcuts, short circuits, the real desire of God to move. Some people get emotional when God really starts probing and doing a deeper work. Kind of like avoiding it. Verse 19 literally says, stop putting out the Spirit's fire. And he's addressing something that was happening. Now possibly there had been some abuses of the gifts like prophecy. We see that in the next verse. Where he says, now listen, don't treat prophecies with contempt. Don't despise prophecy. Maybe it's the opposite of what happened in Corinth. Where the leaders went things, let things go crazy. till Paul brought some correction in. Maybe in this church they overreacted and just quenched everything. But there was a little. Overreaction. in attempting to repress Some of the gifts. In the public services, the key word is balance. When you're by yourself, enjoy. Like one man of God said, me and Jesus doing our own thing. Amen. When you're by yourself, you run when you want to run, shout when you want to shout. You can get loud, you can cry, you can do what you want. You and Jesus enjoy. But but in a service, even a Pentecostal service, where there's an understanding of what we believe and what is proper in our midst. Understand the key word is balance. because excesses do not glorify God. Actually, they hinder the true moving, the deeper working of the Spirit. They distract from a genuine work. But overreaction to excesses, brings over control that leads to just a mechanical and a, a lifeless complacency and a dry religiosity. And that can suffocate and hinder the deeper work, the, the fuller manifestation. Friends, I don't know how to tell some people. We've only scratched the surface of what God desires to do until we see the lamb walking, we've just scratched the surface. Until we say the, the deaf, we only scratch the surface. You see. Well, we recognize in the scripture, there are degrees of nearness to God. And there are deeper measures to God's presence in the working of God's spirit. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sometimes we settle for a very shallow existence. Not willing to pay the price. Forget about his first, what his first name is. You can't have both. But oh, when there's a people. When that song say, I, I, something like, give you everything I got. I mean, <laughs> I'm going to paraphrase that one. God, do whatever you want to do. Amen? When a people have that attitude, it allows the spirit to go deeper and to work fuller and to manifest his power in a greater measure. Oh, my. We say it like this. Proper biblical control is necessary, but over-control is detrimental. Complacency is a death blow. To be lukewarm, as Jesus told us, is rejected by God and grieves greatly the spirit of God. If we're going to finish strong, we need the power of God's spirit. Filling our lives personally, moving in our services consistently. Let's do our part to keep the fire burning. On an individual level, I ask, what helps the fire to burn? What are the things I need to do to stay strong and growing in the Lord? Or what are the things I need to guard my life from? Things that tend to hinder me. Things that distract me and cause me to neglect the most important things. I'm going to do this next thought real quick, but I want to get it done, because we'll never get back to it. Next verse, next verse. Paul says, don't put out spirit fire. Verse 20, don't despise prophecies. I want to connect that before we take off. See verse 20? Do not treat prophecies with contempt. I think some of the new King James don't despise the prophetic utterances. And again, what we have here most likely is abuses often lead to overreaction. Nobody likes abuses. Amen? I've run down more than my share of people in the day. (laughs) Run them down. They learn, don't show up again. I mean, I'm just saying... You get someone on prophesying off the street. Uh, you know, you know. We've trapped past. How and I, we chased a few down. We said, "Hey, I want to talk to that person." Before you get prophesying here, I'm, who are you? Who are you? Who are you? Can your pastor is who? Hallelujah. Talk about the gifts of the Spirit now. God desires that you and I receive and walk in the whole counsel of God. But don't allow abuses to rob the church of God's intended blessing. People need what only the Spirit of God can give. We're so limited in ourselves. We're so limited even in our best natural sympathies and efforts. We need what only the Spirit of God can do. So we can't be quenching and grieving the Spirit. Even under the thing of trying to keep things proper, we can go overboard. Next thing you know... And I don't mean to embarrass anyone that's Baptist. We act more Baptist than Pentecostal, and there is a difference. If I read that Bible right. Just do it decently and in order, but let there be no mistake. The gifts of God are for us, and the gifts of God are for today. Prophecies for today. Praying in the Spirit is for today. Healing and deliverance is for today. Singing in tongues is for today. The baptism in the Holy Spirit. It's all for today. It's for today. And more than just doctrines that we believe in and defend, there are manifestations of God's Spirit that we should practice and hunger and thirst for. We should earnestly desire. Let there be no doubt God wants to manifest His power in these last days. And we're going to close with one quick teaching. Paul. In this verse 20 is addressing specifically prophecy. Prophecy. The gifts of the Spirit mostly are 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, note takers. Nine gifts of the Spirit. Most of what we see here are the verbal gifts, the prophetic tongues and interpretation, which equal that prophetic gift like we heard today. What is God trying to do when someone prophesies? What's the purpose of it all? What's the reason for it? Well, it's a gift of the Spirit, and God's soul, that means it's good, amen? And God, God, I mean, uh, go ahead, if you would, to 1 um, first, first Corinthians 14 and 3. Now we don't have time to go through a long teaching on this, but I want you to notice something. The gifts are for today, and the gifts are for us. And if we study the context, his gifts are to edify or build up his people. So that's good, amen? I need to get built up. You need to get built up, Amen? But but the Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit wants to take us beyond just our human thing. He takes us into a whole new realm of divine blessing, divine revelation, and divine ministry. And here Paul's explaining it. So Paul says, now listen, to the one that prophesies. The, the, to that one that prophesies. when we hear our prophecy, or our tongues and interpretation. That they're basically for these three things. They're for our strengthening, our encouragement, and our comfort. Comfort, encouragement, and edification. Those are the three things Pope Paul says when that prophetic word comes forth, what God is trying to do in that service is highlight, emphasize, or draw our attention to something special right now. God wants us to hear. Now we can go back in the Bible and talk about times and seasons. We could do that. It's a biblical thing. But God was trying to highlight right now, this day, September, whatever the date is, God wants someone to be reminded of this. The time has come. The time has come. The time has come. Yes, the thing you've been waiting on, the thing you've been believing for, the thing you've been groaning over, and fighting off the doubts, and fighting off, it's here. It's here. And God wants someone to hear that. When the Spirit of God speaks, it's like God is saying by His Spirit, I am emphasizing this to you. I'm highlighting this for you this day. I know it's not some new revelation you've never read. It's in the book. But the Spirit knows now is the time to hear this particular thus saith the Lord. So when I'm sitting in there and I hear the word of the Lord go forth, when it bears witness to my heart, I say yes Lord. Thank you Lord. And my faith responds because I want it to be more than something I applaud. I want to see it come to pass. I want to embrace it. I want to taste it I want to receive it can you say amen to that so he says don't despise prophecy it's a working of God's spirit how dare you despise prophecy it didn't go out with the apostle that's false doctrine it's for today and it's for the now don't quench the spirit don't just don't treat prophecies with contempt what do I do about prophecy? He said, we'll test all things. Yes, Don't be gullible. Now, you and the congregation, how do you test it? By the written word and by the inner witness. Right. By the written word and by the inner witness. By the in- written word. Line up with that book. If it says pray to Mary, then you know it didn't come from God. How about that? Right. that is- it's not in the book. Nope. Right? Am I right? Am I right? But sometimes there's something in the book but something in your stomach feels like you drank some spoiled milk. Remember, there's, there's flesh. There's mistakes. There's, but mostly for the people of God, the prophetic word goes forth. The written word, the inner witness. I ask myself, is that for me? I mean, specifically, for, if it is, I have to respond to it. I have to do if it's telling me to do. I have to at least embrace it and thank God for it if it's just something to believe. Amen? Now, it might be just a good word, but maybe it's not specifically for me. Then I say, thank you, Lord. Speak to those it's intended for. Lord, help those as it's intended for to receive it. Amen? Yeah. Now, in leadership, you have some other things that you're going to deal with, leaders. Is the timing of it right or wrong? Nobody wants you prophesy in the middle of my sermon. Spirit of the prophet is subject to the... See, it's hard to just touch this in 30 seconds. It's a teaching thing. Yes, it is. That's why in Pentecostal we give a certain time to allow. Mm-hmm. Amen? Yes. And so when you're leading it, though, if you're sitting here, is it in the word, according to the word, I was a bear witness to my spirit if you're leading, what's the timing of it what's the motivation of it? I might know some someone their motivation's off. I'm not going to give them a, a voice in anything we're doing. I'm not going to let them speak to my people, but I, mean, I go on and on with this one before you act before anyone acts too holy I watch and I, some preachers you know they don't have. The wherewithal to sit someone down that needs to be said. So you can let some joker get up there and give his little prophecy, and you probably ought to just take him aside and say, "Listen, you're not living right and nobody wants to hear that nonsense. Just hush it. Because by saying nothing, you give the illusion to the congregation. that must be a man of God. I'll tell you a true story, one true story. What was I planning to go down this road? I, was, I heard about some guy, and I, I know a bit of the history, prophesying in this church. I said, that preacher ought to know better. That guy should be sat down. He shouldn't be saying anything. But he doesn't want to deal with it, so he lets it go. So meanwhile, everyone sitting in the congregation thinks, well, you know, that must be a man of God. After all, he prophesies. Pastor lets it. We all applaud you know, so he's probably on his second or third marriage. Some poor lady going through a divorce. They start, you know, seeing each other. She thinks he's a man of God. Why not? Preacher's letting her prophesy. She's getting the illusion that somehow we're, we're, he's putting the seal of approval on him. So they wind up getting married, and she finds out six months in, they think he's not quite such a man of God. Now, a preacher would have done his job and not give influence to someone that wasn't worthy of it, that poor thing never would have had to go through that abuse that she had to go through the second time. So we're talking about sometimes when we move out in the gifts, there's a time you sit them down. Time said, not here. You want to go from wherever you came from, knock yourself out, Not here. Just before you allowed influence in this group have to be proven amen so you can go to one extreme we just let anything go because we think the weirder the better or the other extreme we kill everything but for leadership the hardest thing is to be led of the spirit there's times god will use people i said oh lord and he says let it go son i'm in it he said oh i am go you in it but i'm not sure and and it's god i mean it's god i've seen some people i wondered about them I was like, really? You're going to use that? And she winds up prophesying what I've been praying about just, you know, six hours ago. So I know they're, they're talking from God. Amen? Yeah. And there's other thing God says, you yeah, know, you better pull that one in. Pull that one in. Well, we want to fan the flames of the fire. Yeah. Yeah. We don't want to quench your grief. Amen. Amen? Amen? Glory to God. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. But it says Don't treat prophecies with contempt. Next verse, test everything. Test everything. Don't be gullible, but test it. Test it. Test Test it. it. But after you test it biblically, you test it through leadership, you test it in your own spirit, then if it's God, embrace it, lay hold of it, and make it your own. Amen? If it's God, then you want it. Amen? If it's God, then it's designed for your blessing. Embrace it. If not, reject it. Amen. Renounce it and avoid it. Praise God. All right. I'm going to hush. We preach, we teach. You got it all today, brother.
0: Amen. Amen.
1: And God good to us. And God good to us. Amen. We we finished this service, this series. In that last verse, verses of verse 24, can you put it up there? Let's close with this, because I love this. You know God loves you? You know Jesus loves you? You know God desires to touch you and talk to you? He knows your hurts, and he wants to pour his oil into that place of your wounds. He knows your story. I love that. He knows your story. And that hasn't made him run from us or avoid us. I like that. He knows me, but he still loves me. Oh, that's a good God right there. Amen? He knows me, but he's, oh, that's pretty good. Amen. And, and he closes. He closes with verse 24, which I really love. Because after Paul has kind of given them a lot to chew on. Because he wants them to finish strong. Amen. And so you're not going to finish strong by accident. You got to hear some things. You got to, sometimes you gotta have some adult talks with your kids. Amen. So sometimes you got to have some talks here, you know. Hey, don't quench the spirit. Don't despise. But listen, you know, so there's some things that you got to hear. But when it's all said and done. He reminds them of this beautiful promise. The one who calls you is faithful. He will do it. Somebody, the one that calls you is faithful. And he'll do it. He'll bring you through. He'll carry the weight. He'll heal the hurt. He'll respond to your cry. He loves you. Jesus is for you. And he is committed to see you through. Can somebody say amen? Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. He's wonderful. He's wonderful. He's wonderful. He's wonderful. He's wonderful. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We're going to keep it simple. I'm going to pray the prayer. We'll sing a song if you need prayer. I know I went a little long, but it's the last one. The last one, you got to get it all in. Amen? I got to get it all in. Yes, I want to get it all in. Um, we're going to pray our prayer and we'll always open the altar. If you need prayer, please come. We'll pray and believe God with you just want to wait on God, if you just want to, Sit in your seat and say, Lord, breathe on this fire and let me burn bright again. Lord, whatever it is, whatever it is, let's do that. Amen. So stand with me, please. And let's close with prayer and open altar. Father, we love you. We love you. We love you. Father, we love you. Father, help us to be a people who honor and respond to the work and ministry of your Holy Spirit. Father, help us individually and corporately to be a people To honor and respond to the ministry and to the work of your Holy Spirit. In our personal lives, Father, help us to keep the fire burning. Help us, Lord, to remove and reject the things that would try to quench or hinder the moving of your Spirit within us. Father, help us to be a people that are receptive, yea, and even stir up the gift of prophecy. And now, Lord, as we look to you, touch Mm -hmm. us in a fresh way. Fill us with a fresh filling. Lord, we love you. We thank you that you're so full of compassion and grace. And we thank you, Lord, that you are committed to finish the work you began in our lives. Now, Lord, as we sing this final song, we just offer ourselves to you. Fill us afresh, Lord. Let us blaze afresh. That we might leave here and go and be the ones you've called us to be. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, let's sing this one time.